0: Hey everybody, welcome to episode 68 of the Go Get Outside podcast. This is your host, Jason Milligan. Welcome back. Welcome aboard. Today's show is the final episode of season three and the beginning of our hiatus. We are going to modify the schedule here a little bit just to maintain our own sanity and ability to deliver these podcasts on time. So we're going to institute a truly seasonal schedule here forward, where we will do nine months of episodes, so 18 episodes in total for a season, and then we will take a break of three to four, or in this case, five months. So after this episode, we will be going on hiatus, and we will be back September 16th. In the meantime, please do contact us and let us know what you like about the show, what you don't like about the show, and the sorts of things and people you would like to see featured in Season 4. We will begin recording Season 4 in the next few weeks, so we would love to get your feedback. And how would you contact us? Well, you can send us an email, go at ButcherBirdStudios.com, or you can leave us a voicemail, 818-925-0106. On today's show, we will be doing the second of what we call the Go Gumbo episodes, where we feature stories from previous guests cut together with music and sound effects to build some ambiance. First up will be Alison Hudson's story from episode 9 about experiencing the 2015 earthquake in Nepal that destroyed much of Kathmandu and Everest Base Camp. We will then hear from repeat guest Alden Anderson, particularly his story from episode 16 about a Canadian backpacking trip where he becomes extremely bored, snowed into the wilderness for a week. And we will finish up with Alan Gigax's story from episode 37 about his first backpacking trip and the numerous mistakes he made. So let's get to those stories.
1: I went to Nepal in 2011. I started a Kickstarter to fund a documentary about some of the guys that work on Everest. People know them more commonly as Sherpas, but not everyone who works there is a Sherpa. So I stayed in the little village of Gorik Shep, and the day I flew from Lukla back to Kathmandu, there was an earthquake. started moving, and the whole building started shaking, everything was moving, like not just side to side, but up and down, it was like being on a subway car, in the middle part. And my bikes blew over, and the plaster started coming off the wall, and the windows blew open, and my door blew open. The building got really warm, like all the inside was heating up from the vibration. And then it stopped. But as the day went on, the old part of the city literally dropped to the ground. The old buildings were instantly brick and wood piles. Luckily, I was able to get to my brother on the phone early morning in the States, and he was able to put something on Facebook, which is easy to make fun of Facebook, but in an emergency, incredibly useful. And A friend of mine from Abu Dhabi got me a ticket out of the country because I didn't know where to stay and what to do and whether to stay. It was clear that people would need food and water and shelter immediately. Having an extra person for my friend to take care of seemed like not a good option. So I flew to Maine. Turns out my parents were very worried. And I stayed there for three weeks, just like finding out if people were alive that I knew what was damaged and what was happening. It took so long for information to get out. It ended up being that my friend immediately, with a friend of his in Iceland, started a fundraising mission rescue. They just won an award at the OR for all the efforts they did. So if I'd stayed, I could have helped with that. But there's too many decisions in such a short amount of time. One more person in the same predicament as everyone else just didn't seem like a good option. I just didn't want to die.
2: <laughs> so I got a ride on this big semi up to Newfoundland, a giant island north of Nova Scotia. Gros National Park in Newfoundland. It's really wild, really rough weather. I had this idea. I wanted to do this trek called the Long Range Traverse, seven days solo. There's no like actual trail system, so you have to take a whole nav test. Then they give you this little like beacon thing, and something that they can locate you by. The first night I'm out there, I come face to face with a moose, probably ten to twelve feet away from me, just like staring at me. I felt like into the wild, you know, when that dude goes into Alaska and it's just like seeing all this wildlife and he's by himself. That's exactly how I felt. So the next day I get up early and go up onto this big plateau that's very hilly, very, very wet. Just like everything is wet, just boggy. You look down and these giant gorges looks like Yosemite. Pristine wilderness, but there's nobody there. I got to the campsite where I had told the rangers I would be camping at that night. But it was still early in the day because I was like hiking really fast so I kept going. That night a big storm hit. The winds were clocked down below the plateau at 90 miles per hour. Really really strong. There's hail, rain blowing so hard. I can't sleep, and I'm terrified that my tent is going to collapse because it's literally, like, on my face. Middle of the night, my tent collapses. One of the the guy lines for the stakes, like, snaps, and water starts, like, pouring in. Jumped out, threw on my rain gear, went outside, like, fixed it all up. I'm freaked. I'm by myself, this gnarly storm. I'm worried I'm going to wake up and freeze to death So then the next day, it's still, just the wind and rain has not let up. I'm trying to like walk around outside. The wind is blowing so hard, you can't open your eyes. You have to look down. For for like three or four days, it's like this. It actually then starts snowing and snowing and snowing. My tent is buried. Don't have snowshoes. I have a 15 degree sleeping bag, which keeps me warm. And I have enough food. I had enough food for seven days. That night that my tent collapsed, I thought I might die stranded out there no one's around no one can help you might freeze to death or something but after that initial like day and a half I cannot even tell you how boring it was imagine sitting in your tent for like five days straight I had two books Walden which is particularly appropriate but it's it's kind of heavy reading and then A Walk in the Woods by Bill Bryson, which is an amazing book and so relatable. And it's, it's just so funny. But I tried to make that last. I would like read a paragraph and then read it again. I can, I can relate to people how they're in like solitary confinement. I mean, I'm in this beautiful setting, you know. I can imagine being by yourself in that room somewhere looked at my tent. One time there was like a coyote walked by. Now the coyotes there have bred with wolves, so they're like bigger. And he was walking by and I was like, hey! Like yelling at it. It was like it was snowing. I was just like wanting to talk to something. He looked over like what the heck is this crazy bearded dude? <laughs> I kept going. And then a moose came by once. And like a duck came and like played in the pond a little bit. <laughs> Saturday afternoon, a week after I had started, finally the sky started clearing up. I felt so good that the sun came out for like a few minutes and I like stood outside, like took off my shirt. So happy the sun came out and the snow was melting.
0: Hallelujah!
2: Sunday came around, so now it's the eighth day since I've started. I've been sitting in my tent for seven days. Basically I decided, screw this, I'm getting out of here. As soon as the weather cleared up, and as soon as the snow melted enough, and I could see. I'm going out over this big hill. There's no trails, and I'm trying to route find through terrain that looks completely different. I hit a snow drift that goes up to my chest, and I probably have two days, two full days of this. I realized, like it hits me, this is gonna be freaking hard to get through this snow without snowshoes. And then the helicopter comes over and goes past me and goes over to my campsite. My campsite, you can tell because it's cleared of snow, you can tell someone was there. I have to have this big red poncho. Hey! Uh, they take out the red poncho and I'm like waving it. Hey, they came over, I guess they saw it, and they came over and landed. Hey, are you Alden? I said, if I wasn't, would you still rescue me? No, I didn't say that, but I heard someone else say that in there. survival story, and I wanted to say that. So I got on the helicopter, got an amazing helicopter tour of and National Park. Those guys were super awesome. I can't, you know, thank them enough. Oh, and I talked to them afterwards. You know, they gave the whole debriefing and everything and explained everything that happened. They're like, oh, you know there was a ranger cabin, like, less than a mile from where you were, full of food, and you could have broken in there and been staying there. I was like, what? Are you serious? I was like, what the hell? It's not on the map. I was like, I could have been reading Spider-Man comics and, you know, eating baked
3: beans. Now I had gone car camping before, and I had gone hiking before, but I had never put the two together to go backpacking. And I decided to hike the West Rim at Zion. I had this enormous military backpack called an Alice Pack, anything I thought I would need. I put in that pack, books, notebooks to write in, a bottle of tequila, four pairs of pants and three pairs of shorts, five shirts, a couple books of matches, a couple of Bic lighters, some waterproof matches, a magnesium fire starter, a torch lighter, and it's not even legal to have fires out there. The only thing I had that I could light on fire was a cigar. But I brought all that stuff because I thought, oh my God, what if I am away from my pack and I wind up having to make a fire to survive the night? Once I had my pack all filled up, then I brought my buddy Rex, who was a Marine, and he said, oh. You can get way more stuff in there. My pack weighed 80 pounds. I shouldered my pack and I start hiking. My first campsite was only like two miles in and I hit the first downhill and I realized that the boots that I'm wearing are just a little bit too big. As I'm going down the hill, my feet, which are my brakes, are rubbing inside the boot, and every step I take, it's just rubbing inside the boot. And by the time I got to the first campsite and started to set up, I took my boots off, and I had this huge blister on the side of my foot that had already broken. So I set up camp, and I get in the tent, and my mind just starts racing. Every little sound that I hear outside sets me into a panic. And I know there's not bears, maybe there's a mountain lion in 10 square miles, so I don't really have to worry about that, but I hear little sounds next to the tent. I just freaked out. Tomorrow morning, as soon as light breaks, I'm packing up and I'm getting out of here. I'm just gonna hike the rest of the way out. So the next morning i shoulder my pack again and i get back on the trail and i have 13 miles to go this pack doesn't have a chest strap so it's just pulling my arms back with 80 pounds of force the whole time i'm hiking terrible pain in my shoulders this terrible pain in my feet the whole time my feet are just grinding inside my boots and getting worse and worse and i finally get to the bottom and i realize oh my god i'm gonna have to climb back out the other side of potato hollow I get so tired that I'm going like 10 feet at a time and having to stop and rest on my trekking poles to catch my breath, and then another 10 feet and stop and rest on my trekking poles. All this stuff that I brought didn't bring enough water. I was completely out of water, totally exhausted. I had no idea how much further it was going to be to get to my next water source. I've seen cowboy movies why don't I take one of these beaver tail cactus cut it open and eat the pulp inside and get my liquid from that beaver tail cactus does still have tiny little hair like spines which I found out when they were all in my mouth and all over my hands the pulp inside is just sticky goop that has no moisture value whatsoever and so that was a disaster At that point, I honestly didn't know if I was gonna make it to the next spring. I made the decision to ditch my pack, and I left a note headed for West Rim Spring, out of water, send help. Once that pack was off, I felt like I was hiking on the moon couldn't believe how easy it was to hike at that point well I finally get to West Rim Spring there's a vulture waiting for me at the spring I start pumping my water filter just straight into my mouth and I drink as much as I possibly can and then I fill up my bottles drink those down and I fill them up again and I have a little lunch and my feet of course are hamburger at this point point. and now it's getting late in the day and I have a decision to make Am I gonna hike out the rest of the way, get medical attention? Or am I gonna hike back to my pack, set up for the night and see how it goes? Or I brought an emergency blanket with me. Maybe I'll just lay down here for the night and see how I feel in the morning. Eventually I decided, I'm going to go back to my stuff and try to make a go of it go So I hack all the way back up and there's a campsite right near where I had dropped my stuff. So I set up camp there for the night. I get into the tent and I take my shoes off and my socks are red they're all soaked with blood. I take the socks off. Huge blisters that are broken, exposed, under layers and it's really, really awful. And I know, okay, I need medical attention. I leave my feet uncovered for the night hoping that maybe it'll dry out and I go to bed. And I wake up in the middle of the night. And then there's this huge flash. And that's when I realized, oh my God, it's a thunderstorm. And I was so thankful that I decided to go back to my stuff and not try to sleep in an emergency blanket. Yeah. That night, I slept like a champ. next morning I get up, there's like a family of deer right outside the tent just browsing in the grass. And it was such an awesome and peaceful experience. It made me realize why people do that, why people backpack, why people go on these journeys. But one look down at my feet brought me back to reality. I have to hike out today. You know, Whatever else happens, I have to get out of here today. start heading out and I get back down to West Rim Trail. This time I play it smart. I drink as much as I possibly can. I fill up all my water and I start heading down from West Rim and the trail there, it's blasted into the cliff face. And there's just like this sidewalk on the cliff face and I'm exhausted already. And I have this huge pack swinging on my back and pulling on my shoulders. I was so nervous going down that section of trail. And I finally get my first glimpse of Inner Zion Canyon. I think, oh my God, there it is. I'm really gonna make it. I'm gonna be where tourists are and I'm gonna be where there's help. Every step is just agony on my feet, hiking up and hiking up. And these two cute girls I see coming down the other way, talk to them for a little bit. They say they're going the other way. They're doing the hike that I just did, but in reverse where it's all uphill. But they said to me, you know, we brought our camp stove. We're gonna cook up there. We're gonna use the water from the spring, but we forgot to bring any kind of matches. Boy, do I ever have something you could borrow, yes. By the way, would you like a bottle of tequila? I asked him, well, how much further is it until I get up to scout lookout? Because I know once I'm there, I'm home free. And they're like, oh, it's just another 10 minutes up the hill. You know, even if you're going slow, it's just right up there. And it must have taken me an hour and a half. So I finally get up there. Now I'm on the angel's landing side, and I start seeing people. I'm so beat. I'm in so much pain. I have to stop, catch my breath. I'm stopped just below Angel's Landing, right before Walter's Wiggles, and I'm leaning with my pack up against the rock, hunched there, exhausted. And this nice older couple comes up the trail, and they see me, and they start making conversation. And so we make our pleasantries, and they go on their way, and I start to hike back down the hill, and the guy says, stop, let me carry your pack for you. I said, man, I can't let you do that. Have your fun and go see Angels Landing. Maybe if you see me on your way down, then, you know, we'll talk about it. And then I start walking downhill again. And this time the wife says, stop. We can't in good conscience let you go down in the condition that you're in carrying that pack. I wear the guy's pack and he goes to put Alice on, he can't even hardly lift it up. And he says, how the hell did you hike anywhere with this thing on your back? So his wife and I put Alice on him and he shoulders her and we hike all the way down get all the way down to the cars he says you know my wife and I have a room here at the lodge why don't you come to the lodge you can take your shoes off you get a shower and we'll take a look at your feet and I say look my concern is that once I take these boots off nothing is going to go back on my feet and I still need to drive home back to Vegas. The second morning when I got up and decided that I'm gonna hike out, I said I have to do something to protect my feet. And so I covered my feet in duct tape. It actually helped quite a bit and did stop my feet from getting damaged much worse. But by the time I get to my mom's house, I get into the tub and now we have to start taking the duct tape off and there's all this loose skin, and as the duct tape comes off, all the skin's coming off with it, leaving raw flesh underneath. And my mom says, I don't have the stomach for this. It's doing a lot of damage. We have to go to the quick care. The doctor comes in and takes a look at it. He doesn't believe that I did this hiking. He thinks that I was like trying to walk on hot coals or something. So I have second degree burns over like 40% of my feet. And he said, we can't handle this here. You have to go to the burn unit. Three visits to the burn unit at UMC before I was finally able to put a shoe on again. I learned a lot about myself on that trip. I learned a lot about hiking on that trip. I have since been back three more times since then, always as a day trip. Alice has never been back. As a kid, when I would have been in discomfort, I would have just sat down and just quit. But when I was out there by myself, it wasn't an option. I just had to push through, I had to keep on keeping on and just put my head down and it doesn't matter if it hurts. That trip changed my life, it changed my work ethic, it changed who I was as a person.
0: Thanks again to all of you who have listened, whether you have listened to one, two, or 68 episodes, we appreciate you being here. And if you would, please run to your podcast purveyor of choice and subscribe, rate, and review the show. And since you'll have a few months, why not listen to some past episodes and share those you like with people you know. The first two stories in this episode of the Go Get Outside podcast were edited by Griffin Davis This episode was produced, recorded, with additional editing by me, your host, Jason Milligan, and brought to you by Butcher Bird Studios. We will be back September 16th with 18 new episodes of Season 4. See you then.